This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Illinois families are drowning in medical debt. And here's the thing, that debt isn't just a huge financial burden. It can also take an emotional and physical toll. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. A new report breaks down those costs and touches on solutions. So let's hear from two people involved in pulling that report together. Carrie Chapman is an attorney and senior director at Legal Counsel for Health Justice. And Luvia Quinones is Senior Director of Health Policy at the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights, the organization behind the report. Carrie, it's no surprise that the U.S. healthcare system is, I'll just say it, it's a mess. I mean, anyone who's ever been treated at a hospital knows how quickly those fees and those costs rack up. Are you aware of the average amount of medical debt that Illinois residents face right now? Certainly what we see um, is that oftentimes it's not huge amounts, at least from the perspective of the hospital, right? We see folks with a bills of a couple of thousand dollars um, into the low teens, not infrequently. But for individuals, obviously, that's an incredible amount of debt. Um, to lot. think that you owe a hospital $10,000 um, significantly impacts your life. Yeah. So one of the main takeaways from your report, Luvia, is, is that people – got stuck with these high hospital bills, mostly because they just don't know that help was available. How common is that? It's pretty common. I mean, we frequently hear stories from community members and our member organizations, um, given that we are a statewide coalition of individuals that are either, either one, have medical debt or already um, are in collections, and it's not until when they approach one of the community organizations or us directly do they even learn that they actually did have um, options around either health care coverage or hospital financial assistance. Mm. Your report tells the story of uh, someone called Miss Yvette. Uh, she had uh, $15,000 in medical debt from one single health emergency last year. Tell us about her and, and what happened there. Um, so, she's just one of, of several stories. Um, these stories that were submitted were, were from our member organization, so I'm not able to give you all the details. Um, I don't have them in front of me, so apologies. Um, these stories were collected by member organizations. I believe that one directly came from our member organization, um, Brighton Park Neighborhood Council. I see. Well, what help is available to folks? And how much um, of a bill could it cover? So depending on the person's um, income, that's kind of, you could say, one of, one of the, um, the deciding factors, a person could get a 100% discount on a bill if they're low income, if they are uninsured, and live in Illinois. 
um, depending on their immigration status, they may be eligible for other types of relief, whether it be enrolling in Medicaid, enrolling in one of the Medicaid life programs, or something else similar. So ultimately, depending on the income and potentially immigration status, the options would vary. So Carrie, help us understand, why aren't patients made aware of the assistance that they qualify for? So we do not have strong requirements under Illinois law um, that affirm that uh, require hospitals to sort of affirmatively help people. So we have requirements that there needs to be information uh, available on their website. Um, there need to be blurbs on bills that you receive um, and posters around the, the hospital. Um, but obviously, when folks are either in the hospital in a medically difficult situation or getting a bill that's frightening. Um, and if the burden is completely on them to reach out to the hospital to ask for help, um, we're not going to have people asking for that help. So the idea mm. um, behind making change in Illinois is to say, let's share this burden a little bit more fairly. Let's have hospitals do more affirmative screening for health coverage options and for hospital financial assistance and meet patients more halfway um, so that they will know what their options are. Because patients, low-income patients, are dealing with so many stressors and mm -hmm. so much trauma. People just having a health crisis are obviously also not at their peak capacity. Right. And then getting that bill is frightening. And as yeah. we all know, sometimes we put that bill down and aside. A hundred percent. To have the onus on you to, to navigate what seems like a very complex application process, too, for some of this assistance. Exactly. That's tough. Right. So the medical system is already really complex for folks to navigate. Uh, but then to also have the full responsibility of reaching out and saying, hey, I, I might be eligible for something um, and pushing to make sure that that process gets rolling. It's also oftentimes difficult for immigrants. I hear tons of stories from folks who are already feeling afraid and attacked in this country um, and who don't feel empowered in the same way I might feel empowered mm -hmm. as an attorney and a professional to call up a company or a, a healthcare entity and push. I, I know what my rights are, and I'm going to stand on them. Right. Um, that's easy for me to say. Luvia, why don't you tell us more about the financial and emotional toll that this is having on families? What else are you hearing? Yeah, so we've heard a lot of very difficult and sad stories. Um, we shared one in the report, and we actually had the individual um, yesterday during our press conference where um, this one of many examples, um, this woman who um, we, we're naming Alma for the sake of her confidentiality, um, she actually developed diabetes as a result of having these medical bills. Um, she feels that she's she's under a lot of stress as a result of um, an accident, which is what landed her in the hospital. She's no longer able to work um, or or help um, her children financially. So now she's depending on her family. Um, she's been seeking help from many different institutions to just kind of see what are her options to pay this very high hospital bill. So I would say oh, that's one of many examples where individuals sometimes could get even sicker as a result of the stress, as a result of the anxiety and the fear of these bills just piling up, and let alone once the bill goes to collections, then you have these companies calling you nonstop mm -hmm. to the point that they're just, I mean, this woman, when when we were talking for the press conference, she was even hesitant to talk to me because she thought I, I, I was calling from a collections company as an example. Wow. So I would say there's, there's health complications, there's stress, and, and I think for people that end up in collections, also the reality of it also affects the credit score. So if you if you don't already have a house or an apartment, it could also affect your housing situation, let alone having to decide between buying food or trying to pay the bill.
Yeah, that's, that's a tough, tough situation, Carrie. I mean, and this really, it affects everyone, insured or uninsured. It does. Absolutely. Um, it, unfortunately, we have also a crisis of underinsurance in this country. So we hear from folks whose um, co-pays and uh, co-insurance and deductibles are very difficult to meet. Yeah. I think part of our goal is to sort of piece this out one chunk at a time. Um, and so to work uh, towards better solutions for folks who are the lowest income and uninsured, and then to build um, thoughts about what we can do to help the underinsured down the road. Because yeah. that's the looming crisis. Luvia, who is getting hit the hardest here? Which communities? Um, according to both um, data and uh, as well as stories, um, they are communities of color, um, both black and brown. Um, we have seen, um, again, both in data and also from organizations that the areas that tend to have the highest number of uninsured are also the people that have the highest amount of medical debt. It could vary the amount, um, but again, I mean, some of these individuals are eligible for some type of health coverage. They just don't know, and mm -hmm. they don't know for various reasons. And then when they do end up at the hospital, it tends to be for an emergency, a chronic, something that became a chronic illness that then just unfortunately becomes worse. Um, so from our experience, it's both black and brown communities. Yeah. From your report, it says medical debt is disproportionately carried by black, Latino, and immigrant families who are forced to make difficult financial decisions, choosing between seeking, needing health care and paying for <laughs> daily needs like food, shelter, and heat. Mm -hmm. Let's jump to the phones. Angela is calling from Naperville. Hey, Angela. Welcome to Reset. Hey, Sasha. How are you? I love your show oh, so much. Thank you so much, Angela. Cover so different kind of... I have a, a different you know, opinion. Maybe you guys don't like to hear. Go ahead. <laughs> and, um, um, I'm illegal immigrant for many years, and then I'm color too. Uh, we, my husband and I are working so hard every year. We pay a lot of tax. Of course, we also pay a lot of medical insurance every year. But uh, the problem right now is that I um, saw so the problem is that even though we pay so much medical insurance, we still have to pay a lot of out-of-pocket money. So we just kind of like we're squeezed. We're middle class, but we are squeezed. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, and I do believe we should support those, you know, um, underprivileged people. But I also saw at the same time a few years ago, like uh, some doctors, some clinic, clinic connect with those people that take advantage of the system. They're cheating the government. So it's just a kind of like a, our tax money. I'm, I, I do believe we should help those people. But is there any system, more transparency, more integrity to check those systems? Because we, as a middle class, we were squeezed every day. Yeah. You know, we pay so much tax and uh, so much insurance, medical insurance. In the end, we have, still have to pay a lot of money. Right. It's really overwhelmed. Thanks for sharing your, your perspective, Angela. I appreciate your call. Uh, so I would love to hear from, from both of you on this. I'll, I'll throw this uh, to you first, Luvia. I mean, do you think it's fair for legal immigrants to have to pay so much? No. Um, and as Carrie pointed out, I mean, we know that, unfortunately, this is a growing crisis as well, I mean, what we refer to as people that are underinsured, people that have insurance, but their deductibles are very high. I have relatives um, that are also in the same position. So we definitely need to address that. Mm -hmm. um, it is something that um, we are hoping to address in the future. 
Um, but as Carrie mentioned earlier, um, we are trying to approach it in a holistic way as much as we can, but knowing that we need to um, take things little by little. In this case, we're focusing on uninsured, and we definitely will be looking at solutions for those that are underinsured. Yeah. Carrie, I, I gather Angela represents a number of people who think that way. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I would echo everything that Lubia just said. And I would also say that the, um, ap- the process for getting Medicaid or Medicaid-like insurance um, coverage and also for hospital financial assistance do require extensive documentation. I don't know if anybody's ever opened up a Medicaid application or recently, um, but uh, basically every single thing about every single person in your household and your income, um, not only do you have to submit it, but it's electronically verified. So we actually mm-hmm. have incredibly tight systems for ascertaining people's eligibility for programs and making sure that they really do meet the program requirements. Um, and so I'm really confident in program integrity in Illinois and really in all public benefits programs. I think we all share the concerns that we, you know, we want to make sure we're helping people in actually in need. Um, and we've got really strong protections for that. Let's talk solutions, Luvia. There's a, a new bill in the Illinois State House that advocates uh, advocates like you say it could be a win-win for patients and uh, the hospitals that treat them. Talk to us about House Bill 2719. That's the uh, Protect Illinoisans from Unfair Medical Debt Bill. Correct, yes. And we're actually here in Springfield today with many of our members um, to educate legislators on it. Yes, um, the goal of um, HB 2719 is to further prevent medical debt. Um, the goal would be that all hospitals screen uninsured individuals um, to see what are their available options, whether it be Medicaid, whether it be the Affordable Care Act, or whether it be hospital financial assistance. And then based on the screening, then either one, the hospital will help them apply for hospital financial assistance, or if they're eligible for Medicaid or the Affordable Care Act, then they would refer them um, to an outside institution that could help them um, apply for that coverage. So hospitals would be... Required to screen uninsured patients to see if they can get financial assistance. What is the hospital's incentive to do that? Like, are, are they going to get paid still? Yes. Well, I mean, for for one, I mean, for those individuals, for those uninsured individuals that may qualify for some type of health insurance, then obviously the incentive is financial. Um, when it comes to hospital financial assistance, um, not necess- the, the the you could say the key difference there is that these hospitals are already saving a lot of money by not paying property taxes. Um, so it is part of their legal obligation to provide this hospital financial assistance to individuals that are low income and uninsured. Hmm. Carrie, what can you add to this? So we definitely know from a study done by uh, the state Medicaid agency, the Department of Healthcare and Family Services in Illinois, just a couple of years ago, um, that we have over 300,000 people who are eligible for Medicaid and not enrolled in the program. Um, likewise, we, uh, over the past couple of years, have expanded Medicaid-like insurance coverage options for immigrants who are not eligible for federally funded Medicaid. So, for example, um, for no reason other than to be punitive, we do not provide um, health insurance Medicaid coverage to lawfully present immigrants who have not been in that status for five years. So we have lawfully present people mm-hmm. in this country who would otherwise be Medicaid eligible but the federal laws prevent us from providing Medicaid for those individuals. So the Healthy Illinois campaign has worked to expand Medicaid-like, state-funded Medicaid-like programs to individuals over the past couple of years, and we've made great gains. But obviously not everyone knows about those programs. Um, And so getting that 
that under-enrollment down helps people because they then have full health coverage, and it helps hospitals because they get reimbursement for the care they provide. Has there been a resistance to this type of change up until now? Like, Why weren't hospitals already doing this type of screening? So I think it's complicated. Um, I, I think we have seen great example hospitals. So Rush University Hospital System has started uh, affirmatively screening. I think there are other hospitals out there that are probably affirmatively screening. I think it is making a culture shift. I think it's it's having that understanding that there are a lot of programs now in Illinois for folks and um, helping the people who make billing decisions understand that there's a fiscal advantage to actually doing that outreach. Um, but I think the culture of billing departments is what you would expect it to be. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. mean to vilify them, but their their culture is to sort of get a payment plan on a bill. Well, and so yeah. we need to shift that culture. I'm also thinking even with this new legislation, uh, whether there would still be potential gaps in financial aid, right? What comes to mind is uh, doctors who are independent from the hospital and who you don't know, you find out later, were part of your, your care and you get that separate bill in the mail from them. Can hospital financial assistance pay off that bill? So generally speaking, writ large, the reason that hospitals have an obligation to provide some free and reduced cost care on the premises is because they are nonprofit tax-exempt organizations. So from my perspective, um, there's a quid pro quo. The taxpayers and the tax base in a state say – you know, you are not going to have to pay property taxes, which for hospitals could be appreciable. Um, and in exchange, you're going to give us charitable work. So you're going to give us free and reduced cost care um, as a state. Um, oftentimes now and increasingly, I think now, hospitals are contracting with for-profit entities to provide services um, on site. And they have always contracted with physicians and physicians groups who are yeah. for-profit organizations. So we don't have the same authority over for-profit entities. Um, so I think there's a couple of solutions there. One of them is that um, I think we can encourage hospitals to make sure that they're following the the tax rules. So if you start to contract with enough for-profit entities, then is really your use of the tax-exempt property actually not for profit, Mm -hmm. right? So monitoring that as um, the healthcare landscape changes and for-profit entities come more and more into this nonprofit space. Um, I'm also hopeful that hospitals will look at those contracts and think about getting some cooperation on financial assistance from the entities that they contract with. So if they contract out their emergency department, their radiology department, um, you know, and imaging, if they, you know, do pharmacy, et cetera, that they will look to making those contracts include some kind of relationship so that folks do not get those surprise bills. I see. Luvia, what can folks do now if they're dealing with medical debt? I mean, is it too late to seek help? Where can they turn? No. It's definitely not too late. Um, there, there are, um, for the most part, there's usually options. Um, there are not too many organizations um, that necessarily, um, um, you could say, throughout the state. Um, Legal Council for Health Justice, where Carrie works at, as well as we as ICER, um, and also some of our member organizations do have some limited capacity. Um, so I would say um, they could contact either of us, and we're happy to see who we could connect them with. Um, in some cases, it's sometimes a matter of just contacting the hospital, making sure that the person does apply for hospital financial assistance. In other cases, seeing kind of what can be negotiated directly either with the hospital um, or with um, Illinois Attorney General's office. We're almost out of time, but let's squeeze in one more caller. Michael in Lincoln Park's been waiting. 
Hi, Michael. Welcome to Reset. Hi, how are you? I, I never call in on anything, but uh, I felt compelled to call. I uh, had a reaction to the Moderna vaccine and took an app, uh, ambulance to the emergency room, and then I had a reaction to uh, the Pfizer vaccine and took a, a ride to the emergency room. And I, even for each of these, I got rides of $2,300. Wow. And then uh, they were forgiven. And then for the, I had a very bad reaction to my medication, so I figured I better take an ambulance. And I, you know, I couldn't get off, and so I did, and uh, I get a bill for three thousand two hundred on that. So I was able. I said I, I've got to really work on this. I know if this goes to collections, that I'll never be able to negotiate with people in collections. So I did. Mm-hmm. I was calling, calling, calling. And uh, I did get it down to uh, $900. Okay. And then uh, finally, I got it forgiven. So oh. there you go. Well, thank you for sharing that, Michael. But what, what a journey it took to get you there. Carrie, you're, you're nodding. Does that sound familiar? It does indeed. And, and Michael, I'm so impressed with your advocacy and your self-advocacy. And we certainly encourage people to do that. If you've got a bill right now, then talk to billing. And when if they say to you, what could you pay? Say, I'd like to talk about whether or not I might be eligible for health coverage or hospital financial assistance. Um, there's no question that persistent people can um, make headway in the system. But the system is only set up for those persistent folks. And unfortunately, when we're dealing with a health crisis and debt and other issues in our lives, sometimes that persistence is what we just cannot do. Yeah. And so we want hospitals to take on some of that responsibility. Um, and meet their vulnerable patients more than halfway um, to make sure that both they get the reimbursement that they need and that Illinois gets the benefit of our tax exemption for those hospitals. Great advice. Carrie Chapman is an attorney and senior director at Legal Counsel for Health Justice. And Luvia Quinones is the senior director of health policy at the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. Thank you both. episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Meha Ahmed and edited by Brenda Ruiz and Stephanie Kim. We also want to hear from listeners on this topic. Have you ever had medical debt? What was your experience like? Call us at 888-915-9945. You can also email us at reset at wbez.org. We often use listener voices in the show, and we use your input to guide our coverage. We'll talk to you again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.